0: Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. When NBA games resume in Orlando on July 31st, the conditions will probably result in an unpredictable level of variance. Things like momentum and continuity and home court advantage are gone. And I think matchups and seedings will matter more than ever. Uh, You know, higher seeds will be more vulnerable with the elimination of home court advantage. Um, You know, they they have lost some of that momentum and continuity. It is to an extent like everybody starting with a blank slate, uh, a a fresh start. Uh, Of course, there's going to be you know players who sit out and, you know, we're still figuring out who's playing, who's not playing. There will be players who test positive for COVID during the playoffs. Uh, You know, there will be guys who get injured and. Uh, The training camp or or the regular season, there are a lot of variables that are going to shake up the playoff picture, whether it's the, you know, the the seedings themselves or just the, you know, the playoff bracket um, in in terms of, you know, again, injuries and and COVID and and different guys sitting out. So I think it it is challenging to try to project what is going to happen, what the seedings are going to look like, what the path is going to look like for the Clippers to the finals if they're going to make the finals. Uh, but it's it's been a focus of mine over the last week. Uh, I've written multiple stories about it for The Athletic. And as I laid out earlier in the week, the Clippers are the favorites for the two-seed. They have a one-and-a-half game advantage over the Nuggets. They have a three-game advantage over the Jazz. And they have a four-game advantage over the Thunder and the Rockets. And as of right now, the, the most likely path through the West includes – the Mavericks in round one who, you know, the Clippers are most likely to be the two seed and the Mavericks are the most likely to be the seven seed. Uh, After that, some, I I would say some form of the Nuggets, the Rockets or the Jazz in the semifinals really depends how that three through six uh, ends up, you know, shaking out. There is a two and a half game difference between the Nuggets and the Rockets. Um, So uh, again, that could play out in in various ways. And, um, you know, I think, Denver Houston would be uh, a great first round series uh, for the Clippers. You'd probably want one of those two to get knocked out early on, so you know they might welcome that. Although, who knows? Maybe they would prefer. You know, I think they'd probably prefer to play the the Thunder. Um, I don't know where the Jazz fall into that. I'll get into that in a second. But for me, I've been looking at the Clippers' path through the West. What that would look like. And it got me thinking about ranking the, you know, the the rest of the 12 Western Conference teams. Um, so, you know, there's going to be 13 West teams in the Orlando bubble. Uh, 13 teams are resuming the season. And then obviously, eight of those teams will make the postseason. And for me, it, it just got me, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a, a lot I, again the past week. And I decided to rank the teams one through 12 from best to worst matchup for the Clippers, uh, you can read that story on the Athletic, but I'm going to touch on it right now in today's podcast. Go a little bit more in depth uh, of my thoughts on it. Uh, so let's start with number twelve. To me, it's it's the San Antonio Spurs. You know, with Marcus Aldridge having season-ending shoulder surgery uh, back in April, I view the Spurs as the weakest team in the field. Uh, you know, they're unlikely to make the playoffs as are multiple teams in this range here that I'm going to discuss. Uh, but for me, it's just I, I don't see with LaMarcus Marcus out, you know, it's a lot of DeMar DeRozid, you know, DeJounte Murray, um, Jakob Pertl, Derek White. Like it, it is a solid team, but I, I don't see any way they move up to number seven. I really don't see any way they make the playoffs. And. With the rest, like looking at the rest of the West, to me, this is the weakest team now. Um, it's always scary to play pop, and you know the Spurs have made the, the playoffs twenty-two straight seasons. But I just, I, I don't see it this season. I think this is the year the, the streak finally ends, and this is the worst Spurs team in a while. Uh, so the, the Clippers played them four times, uh, went three and one against them. Spurs have a minus one point five net rating. Uh, they are the worst team in the West, uh, in my opinion. At number eleven is the Phoenix Suns, and record-wise, they are the worst team. But I, I think this is a team that you know lost DeAndre Ayton early in the season to his, his drug suspension, um, and you know they, they played the Clippers tough. You know they are one in two against the Clippers. They were the first team to beat the Clippers this season. Uh, they had another close game in Phoenix, and to me, this is just a plucky group. You, you have Devin Booker, a guy who's an All Star and a perennial All NBA candidate. Uh, you know, one of the best scorers in the league. DeAndre Ayton put up 25 points, 17 rebounds, and three blocks against the Clippers the last time these two teams played. Uh, so, you know, Phoenix, again, is another team that's unlikely to make the postseason. But I think with their size, with their length, with, with their shooting in the front court, they're really good at playing passing lanes, forcing turnovers. Um, this team to me would be a harder out in, in you know, a, a Orlando bubble setting and to me is better than San Antonio right now. Number 10 for me is the Sacramento Kings. Uh, The Kings are actually one of the only two teams on this list with a winning record against the Clippers. Uh, The other one is Utah, and both of their wins came in L.A., though one was without Kawhi Leonard and one was without Paul George. Uh, DeAndre – I mean, De'Aaron Fox is someone whose speed and transition and pick and rolls really causes problems for the Clippers – uh, I, I do think defensively, if the Clippers have a couple of shortcomings, it's really good centers, especially centers who can stretch the floor, and it's really good point guards who can attack you in the pick and roll, um, guys who can pull up from the mid-range, take step-back threes, take pull-up threes, uh, and really you know penetrate and, and put pressure on your defense. That's De'Aaron Fox, and he has hurt the Clippers in the regular season. Uh, I think – Sacramento's victories have been a little fluky. You know, they had that one game in LA where they made 21 three pointers. That, that was a franchise record. Uh, so, overall, through the three games, they made nearly 14 threes a game, shooting 41%. That level of shooting will not translate to Orlando. And, and then, similar to the Suns and the Spurs, they're a long shot to make the postseason. So, I, I don't see Sacramento making it. And even so, if they did, they would be the eight seed and, and not the seven seed. Uh, number nine to me, and this might be a surprise for some, is Memphis. Uh, you know, Memphis is the current eight seed. They are the favorite to to make the uh, playoffs and be the eight seed. Play the Lakers on the first round, uh, but to me, Memphis is the weakest of this Memphis, Portland, New Orleans trio. Uh, I think you can kind of lump these three together, and to me, just Memphis. You know, they have John Morant. He's a rising star. I think Taylor Jenkins is an impressive coach especially as a young rookie head coach, uh, Jaron Jackson, Jr., uh, Jonas Valanciunas. That is a big, tough front court that they're physically imposing. Uh, and, and Memphis has already beaten the Clippers and really should have beat them in Memphis, uh, but but beat them that game in early January where they they whoop them at home, a 26-point blowout. Uh, and if you remember, that was the game that inspired Montrezl Herald to sound off on the team and, and kind of create some of the the drama that was following the team in, in January. Uh, but to me, it's just Memphis was supposed to be a lottery team. Uh, I think they're playing with house money right now. And I, I just, I do like a lot of the pieces. I think this is a team that maybe even next season, but but definitely two, three years from now will be a contender for home court in the West. I just don't see it this season. And again, if they do make the postseason, um, I think they're, they're most likely going to be the eighth seed. It's, it's going to be really difficult for them to catch uh, Dallas. You know, like Luka and Kristaps would probably have to go out for Dallas for, for Memphis to catch them. But uh, in the case that they somehow did play the Clippers, I would rank them at number nine. Number eight for me is Portland. And on paper, Portland probably has the most talent. I, I think had they been healthy, you know, Yusuf Nurkic has been out since last season. Um, Zach Collins, you know, went out to start the year. Had they been healthy? Uh, I, I think Portland would have been in that four to seven range w- with the likes of Houston and Utah, OKC, Dallas, like th- they would have been in that group. Most likely, uh, they are a team that tends to perform better in the regular season versus the postseason. season. The last season, obviously they made the conference finals. Um, I, I think with, with Portland, the thing is like you have Dame Lillard, who's a top 10 player. And you have CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic, who are guys who can swing a game in a series. Like, you know, CJ can drop 30, 35, 40. Uh, you know, Nurk can put up 20 and 15. Like, they are quality supplementary pieces. Uh, but they lost Trevor Ariza, who is dealing with a custody battle right now uh, with, with his ex wife. And to me, their perimeter defense is just arguably the worst of the group, uh, you know, of this field. And you just can't have that against the Clippers. Like, uh, you know, they, they did lose twice to the Clippers uh, in the regular season. And while I think Nurkic and Collins could help them in a theoretical series against the Clippers, you know, crashing the offensive glass, um, corralling and, and kind of controlling the defensive glass, uh, and, and really maybe pounding them inside. I just, I, I, I still get this idea of like, I don't love a, a Dame CJ backcourt going up against you know, like Pat Beverly and, and uh, Paul George and just them trying to defend PG and, and Kawhi, then playing a lot of minutes with like Hassan Whiteside and Carmelo Anthony. To me, Portland, they, they might end up being the eighth seed. Uh, you know, I, maybe I'd put them as the favorite, but in, in terms of how they match up actually with the Clippers, I, I think, I, I you know, they would scare me more than Memphis, but not as much as New Orleans. And New Orleans to me is the clear number seven uh you have zion williamson brandon ingram drew holiday jj reddick lonzo ball Derek favors like this team is loaded uh you know Derek favors put up his first uh 2020 uh you know uh, of his career against the clippers earlier this season back in november uh but zion has really rounded into form uh is you know emerged as probably would have been the rookie of the year favorite had he even healthy all season uh brandon ingram's an all-star drew holiday is an all-star caliber player JJ Redick is JJ Redick. You know he he has not really aged or, or dropped off the last few years. Lonzo has kind of found himself and is a solid player now. And again, Derek Favors uh, is someone who's kind of randomly hurt the Clippers this year. Uh, really hurt them on the offensive glass and, and finishing inside. So this team, from a talent perspective, um, you know the, they're versatile. They have multiple guys who can play both sides. Um, you have a, a strong perimeter defense with holiday and, and Josh Hart and, and Lonzo ball um, you, you have, you know, multiple shooters. Um, and I think you just have this raw talent in, in Zion and in Ingram that, um, you know, you don't know what guys are going to do in their 1st postseason post-season, ex- you know, appearance. We, we've seen guys struggle with, with the bright lights and, and the national stage and stuff, but you know, Ingram's already an all-star and, and Zion has, has already kind of, lived up to the hype in in my opinion. So this team is fast and young and athletic, and I don't think anyone wants to play them in in the first round. Um, you know, to me, they're probably the favorite to be the eight seed. Um, if a lottery team is going to sneak in, but again, you know, it's very unlikely that they catch, you know, it's almost basically impossible for them to catch the Mavericks at this point. So they would be the eight seed and most likely facing the Lakers. Uh, this is where it gets interesting. And the top six to me, you can put them in almost any order. Um, let's take a quick break and then I will get into who I think is number six and, and why I have them there. So number six for me is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I don't know if I'm underrating the Thunder. Uh, I very well could be. Uh, But to me, I just think looking at the rest of the six teams, I I think they are clearly the worst. Um, And like you have Chris Paul, who's still an all-star, top 20 player, um, and Clipper fans know how good Shea Gildress-Alexander and and Daniil Gallinari are. I mean, Shea is broken out this season, looks like a future multi-time all-star uh, has lived up to all the hype that Clipper fans were giving him last season as a rookie. Um, you know, and OKC has defied expectations. Like they're right now the fifth seed. Uh, you're pretty close to being the three seed, honestly. And, and they're in that mix. Uh, you know, they're ahead of Houston, they're ahead of Dallas. So I don't want to write them off. Uh, and I do think that their guards are well equipped to attack the Clippers' drop coverage in the pick and roll. Um, but overall, I, I think their 14th ranked offense is a little bit concerning. I think to beat the Clippers, you have to be a very good offensive team, and you know this is a pool of of less than ideal options. Like I I think at this point, all these teams are solid, good. um, You know, some of them even great. Uh, But but to me, if if you're looking at the the five teams I have ahead of them, OKC is is the worst. Uh, And again, I don't think they're an easy out. I I think if they played the Clippers, it would be a five or six game series. Um, you know, a, a lot of people have compared OKC to the Clippers uh, or, you know, last season's Clippers team. I see the comparison. I, I think there are some similarities with, with the way they play, um, just kind of the the tenacity, the, the way they've had multiple comebacks. They, they've done pretty well in crunch time. I think there is some differences where this team is more top heavy than than last season's Clippers were. Last season's Clippers really won with a a strong bench, you know, one through 10, one through 11 there were quality rotation players where this OKC team, I don't think has the same depth. I think they're closer to 7-8 deep. But the, the top four, or really the top five, if you're saying Steven Adams, uh, Gallo, Shea, Dennis Schroeder, and Chris Paul, like that is a very good top five. Um, you have Chris Paul, who, who's an all-star. You have Shea and, and Gallo who are capable of playing like all-stars. Uh, you, you have Steven Adams, who still is you know, an above league average starting center. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder is arguably the sixth man of the year favorite. So this team is loaded at the top. I think there is a big drop off from like five to six, whereas last season's Clippers team, I think you could have made a case, you know, Gallo was the best player or Lou. Um, some nights it was Shea, some nights it was Trez. Uh, I think it was a little bit more of an egal, you know, egalitarian kind of offense and, and just kind of set up. Where there is more of a hierarchy with, with this OKC situation. Moving on to number five, it's Dallas for me. Uh, I think da- I think people sleep on Dallas. Um, you know, I I think that you know they have a plus five point eight net rating. And for those of you that don't know what net rating is, it's basically just um, you know your point differential per hundred possessions. So per hundred possessions, the Mavericks outscore their opponent uh, opponents by five point eight points. And that's pretty good. That that is the third best figure in the West. That is better than any team in the West outside of the two LA teams. And you know they, they've had some bad luck. They've had some injuries. Um, it was just reported that Willie Cauley Stein is not going to be participating, although he wasn't playing that much for them uh, in the bubble. So Dallas, you know, again, is the most likely postseason opponent based on the current standings. And I've already written about this series multiple times. I've talked about it on this podcast, so I don't want to go too into Dallas. I'll just gloss over it. Like Luca's a top seven player and an MVP candidate. Kristaps Porzingis was hitting his stride uh, before the hiatus, putting up you know twenty and ten on a nightly basis. And Rick Carlisle is a coaching genius. He's one of the best coaches of the modern era, um, and and you know he he's someone that has a track record of stretching first round series you know as the underdog in a first round series he stretched multiple series out you know five six seven games so i, I do think if the clippers play the mavericks this could be a five or six game uh series as well um again i, I think dallas I, I like dallas i'm high on dallas um similar to portland i think their biggest issue is they don't really have great wing defense uh dorian finney smith cannot match up with Kawhi or PG. Uh, They're going to probably put Maxi Kleba on Kawhi a bit. And I just don't love the wing defense matchups for them. So I do expect Kawhi and PG to have big series if that ends up happening. Uh, But yeah, I think Dallas is tough and people shouldn't sleep on them. This is where things get interesting. And this is where I might have my most controversial opinion. But I have the Denver Nuggets at number four. And on paper, they probably should be number two. They do have the second best record in the West aside from the Clippers, if you're taking the Clippers out of the equation. Uh, But to me, Denver, they're they're a little, I I just, I don't fear them as much as the top three teams here. Um, I I think, and again, this is from a Clippers perspective. Nikola Jokic is one of the worst individual matchups for the Clippers. Um, You know, for as good as Avica Zubats is defensively, and, and we've talked about it a lot. You know, it's not a great matchup for him. I, I think he's a, he's better suited for it than Montrez Harrell, but he's not going to stop Nikola Jokic. I mean, Nikola Jokic can pop out, hit threes, hit jumpers. Um, you know, pick defenses apart from the perimeter. He's so skilled, so talented that again, I think this is a, a, probably a series that Vita Zubac should play more, um, and probably even more than Harrell. But it doesn't mean the Clippers are necessarily going to win that matchup or, or win those minutes. Um, and, and you know Jamal Murray, I think, is someone who's really good in the pick and roll, and, and especially against the team that drops like the Clippers could make them pay. And, and you you saw that in some of the regular season. Uh, and, and Denver's also a team that's too deep at each position, and they have a second unit that is arguably as good as the Clippers. And I, I know um, Clipper fans might not believe that or, or don't want to hear that, but. Um, you know, I, Denver has a very good bench. They actually, the reason they won that game in Denver in, in January was because the bench went off, um, and, you know, a, a bench unit with, uh, Gary Harris, he's a starter, but he, he plays with the bench. Um, Michael Porter Jr., Mason Plumley, uh, Monte Morris, those guys, you know, Denver has a very good bench. So I, I think, you know, their starters can hang with the Clippers starters, their bench can hang with the Clippers bench. Um, but. Similar to some of the the issues with other teams I've, I've mentioned, while well, the Nuggets have some quality perimeter defenders, you have Jeremy Grant, who's more of a four or five th- than a wing defender. Um, Tory Craig, Gary Harris, a lot of their guys are, are small. You know, Gary Harris is about six four. Tory Craig, I think, is six six. Will Barton's like six five six six, and it's only a couple of inches. But also, you know, Will Barton's a skinny guy, um, and those guys, I, I think, while they can do a decent job on Kawhi and PG, they don't match up great with them again. Uh, and this is going to be a common theme with, with these teams. Is like it, it's just hard to find wing defenders, you know, one wing defender, let alone two, to to match up with Kawhi and PG. Um, and then this is another team that I, I think loses out on not having home court advantage or just having home games because Denver is because of the altitude. They are one of the hardest places to play in the NBA and i think them losing that would hurt you know in the in the bubble so for me i i'm not 100% sold on denver at 4 but i, I do think i i'm i mean i I'm, my number one i'm very confident and i think you guys know who that's going to be um and my number two i'm very confident in having them at number 2 for i'll just say it now number 3 is utah and i think you i could go back and forth on the utah denver in the 3 4 but to me, Utah is the other team that has a winning record against the Clippers. Now, you know Kawhi missed one of those games, so that definitely matters. And um, you know who knows what would have happened if he had played in that game. And they also lost Boyan Bogdanovich, and I, I think Boyan is you know someone that that did hurt the Clippers. He, he's a shooting four. Uh, the, the Clippers have had some issues with three point defense at times this season, and uh, I think Boyan is another big body and a, you know another big wing. Um, someone that could, you know, theoretically, he's, he's not really a plus defender, but he, he's big. He can move his feet a bit. And I, I think, you know, he maybe would be someone that would match up decently with, like, Marcus Morris. Uh, so, so losing him will hurt Utah. Uh, but Utah can absorb his loss. The, the, they have Joe Ingles, who can now start and play more. They have Royce O'Neal, who is quietly an all-defense candidate, you know, a really, really good defender. Uh, they have Jordan Clarkson, who isn't going to provide much defensively, but can take on more of that offensive burden that Bogdanovich has and, and score some more. So I think Utah is uh, you know very well equipped to absorb that type of loss. And then their stars, you know, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, like, set, you know, really good centers hurt the Clippers and really good guards, you know, especially point guards who can attack them in the pick and roll. Donovan Mitchell is more of a two, but he does fit that. Um, you know, he, he does fit that uh, kind of profile of you know during the regular during the three regular season matchups, averaging thirty points a game, six assists a game, and shooting over fifty percent from the floor. Donovan Mitchell absolutely eviscerated the Clippers this season. Uh, they did not have an answer for him. I, I think they're going to have to mix up their coverages, put Kawhi on him a bit, put PG, put Pat. The Clippers are well-suited to defend him uh, in theory, but Utah has the best offense in the league since January 1st. Um, I I think they would need Bogdanovich to actually compete with the Clippers, push it to seven, and and maybe even beat them. I don't think they would beat them, but I'm just saying hypothetically. Um, But I I do think they're going to be not as hurt as people are kind of suggesting for as good as Boyan is. Um, So to me – they present more issues than Denver because I think they're better defensively. Um, I think they arguably have better shooting and I think they have a more reliable offensive weapon. I think they have a more reliable offensive weapon in, in Donovan Mitchell, who's the guy, again, I think is going to be putting up 27 to 32 points against the Clippers in a series. And then they have Rudy Gobert, who's the best rim protector in basketball and someone who I think can cause some problems defensively and, you know you know it, it's played really well against montrez harrell um you know this is another series I, I think zubats has to play more or maybe the clippers downsize go Jermichael green go marcus morris at the five and, and try to space the floor and, and stretch out utah now i'm down to number two i think it's, it's kind of obvious what two teams are remaining but it my number two is houston uh and, and i think this is a surprising choice depending on your perspective but to me, Houston has played the Clippers as tough as any West team, other than the Lakers, who are surprise, surprise, my number one. Um, you know, they are a high variance team as they have been in recent years, and, and we've kind of seen that this season, especially once they went centerless. You know, they they, they had that great stretch where I, I forgot they won like seven or eight in a row, and they were just rolling. They they beat the Lakers. I think they beat the Bucks, um, and, and then they they kind of skidded to end the the hiatus. Uh, or to go into the hiatus and, and you know, we're not playing well, drop some games to Orlando and Charlotte and just, we're, you know, Clippers went into Houston, destroyed them. Uh, so Houston is a high variance team, but their unconventional ap- approach to me is, is very hard to game plan for. Um, and, and then on top of that, like they have the star power, uh, they have the wing depth and they have the coaching, I think, to push the Clippers to six or seven games. Like I think at the absolute Peak, the Clippers could beat them in, let's say, like five games. It's a gentleman sweep, and, and maybe all five games are close, but the Clippers are just the better team. But I, you know, Houston is the uh, you know a team that could put up one thirty on a given night. They they shoot a lot of threes. Um, I think though the Clippers were clearly the better team in that game in Houston. The Rockets had a bunch of open looks and, and missed a bunch of them. And people who criticize them will point to that as why they can't win. And while I agree to an extent, I, I just think they are gonna have nights where they hit those shots. They do have nights when they hit those shots. And, and that's, you know, why they are as good as they are. So um, you know, they they have the fourth best net rating in the West behind the two LA teams in Dallas. Uh, I do think they are the third best team in the West overall. And to me, um, you know, while they might have a lower ceiling than Denver, Utah on a given night. Uh, and maybe even Dallas or OKC, uh, they, they probably have the highest – I mean, a lower floor, um, they, they have a higher ceiling than any of those teams. Um, and, and to me, they are the biggest threat to the Clippers uh, outside of the Lakers. And Lakers, I've, I've talked about this before. Um, this is the matchup everyone wants, uh, but it would be the most difficult. Like, you know, the Lakers are have the best record in the West for a reason – They have a really good net rating at plus seven point one, and I I think they've really made the the Clippers struggle in the three games they've played. Um, You know, I I think part of that, you know, uh, Paul George missed the game, did not play well in the in the Christmas game, so it's almost like playing without him in two of the three games. Uh, But uh, you know, I, I think the Lakers' defense, especially their size, their length, their ability to play passing lanes, to to protect the the rim to protect the defensive glass um, they're just a very big team and they have these lineups where the smallest guy on the court 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, six, uh, I think that is very difficult to play against especially for a team like the Clippers who does go a little bit more conventional at the point guard spot does go sometimes undersized at the five um, the Lakers do have a, a size advantage in this matchup At the same time, they don't have great matchups for Kawhi or PG. I think losing Avery Bradley, for as much as he hurts the Lakers offensively, and I'm I'm still going to maintain that opinion. um, Despite his game against the Clippers in 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 March, right before the break, um, you know he he has been better defensively this season. I think he would help them in this matchup, and uh, it's just going to be a lot of. Danny Green, KCP, LeBron and and Kuzma. And I I just don't think that's at the level defensively that the Lakers would need to win this series. Now, again, they have LeBron and AD, you know, two top five guys, two MVP candidates, and and maybe that's enough. Like we've seen that formula before. We've seen Katie and Steph. We we've seen Kobe and Shaq. Like we we've seen when you have two top five guys together, more often than not, you, you win the title. And and that is why I think the Lakers are the Vegas favorite right now. I do think the Clippers have more depth. I, I think they have more flexibility, uh, but like it does seem like they will most likely have to go through the Lakers to win their first championship. And and that to me is the biggest test of the postseason. So let me know what you guys think. What what do you disagree with? Um, what did I get wrong? And I'm just curious, you know, do you agree that Utah is more of a threat than Denver or, or is it, the other way around. Do you agree Houston's number two or do you have someone else in that slot? Um, you know, what about OKC versus Dallas? Um, or, or maybe I got the New Orleans-Portland situation wrong. Uh, let me know on Twitter. Let me know in the comment section of the article on The Athletic. I'll be sure to engage with you, respond, and uh, we, can, we can have a nice back and forth. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, please do so. You can go to theathletic.com slash clipcity to help this podcast out. Uh, thank you, guys. I'll be back next week.